0: Social media strategist, author of the book The Connected Church, keynote speaker and entrepreneur. He is passionate about helping startups, businesses, nonprofit, and faith based organizations. And he's got a passion for the church. And he wants the church to learn to use technology for God. And getting the gospel preached to the whole world, he was instrumental in getting me from a dumb phone to a smartphone. <laughs> Your preacher can now text. Now, I don't do it like you do it. I hit that little speaker thing and talk and do it, and it's about 98% accurate. Thank you, Nachi. We first got to know Nachi here at Crosspoint about three—well, it was three years ago, uh, about this time of the year. Some of you joined us in the sojourner classroom where we combined Bible classes that day, and we packed the house, and people kept hearing about it and coming in, and we heard a fantastic testimony. It's about all the time we had for that day, but I thought, you know, everyone needs to hear this story. And so last year at this time, we all met in here during the Bible class hour. Remember that, Nachi? And he shared his story. And now the third year, I said, let's get you up here, up here with the big boys, and I want you to hear Here's what we're going to do, three things this morning. He's going to take a few minutes right at the beginning and talk about our ministry and our mission uh, in India, Buds of Christ. He used to serve on the board there. Then he's going to take maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes and share his story because I want you to hear his background and where he came from and how God brought him to the Lord. And then number three, he's going to talk to us about prayer. We've been in a series called 40 Days of Prayer. And I took my smartphone and I called India and I said, Nachi, would you do something on prayer? We've been studying prayer. And then Joanne told me, you did that on your smartphone? She says, do you have an app to India? I said, no. She says, wait till you get the bill. (laughs) Not so smart. (laughs) But he's going to talk about the ABCs of prayer today and how unique it is, this thing called Christian prayer. He's got a wife named Tina, beautiful. They're expecting uh, their first Child in April, will you join me in welcoming to the stage Nachi Lazarus? Bless you,
1: thank you, thank you. It's awesome to be here. I'm just going to switch this on. Um, so before I uh, go to the Word of God, I just want to, uh, Bruce, like Bruce said, uh, just want to talk about butts of Christ. <clears throat> um so there we are so um this is an organization that i uh, uh that i when they started off i was i was on their board um when 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 i wanted to uh, think when i was thinking about what to talk about parts of christ how to introduce it to you for in just a few minutes like five minutes what do you say because there's so much going on there so i thought the best thing to do would be to tell you why we support this organization as a family, right? I support this organization. My mother-in-law supports this organization. So I thought it would be good to um, share with you why we do that. There, are, uh, it's not, there is a very specific reason we do that. And uh, one, uh, it's, not, it's not because J. Paul and Julie, who are the founders of this organization, are a good friend of ours. We don't support it because of that. <laughs> Which they are, they are good friends. And uh, I have seen Jay Paul and Julie, uh, both of them work in the field of HIV uh, in, a, in, a, in very senior positions in some of the top nonprofits in India, including World Vision. Uh, Jay Paul worked in World Vision and uh, Julie and Jay Paul worked in Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, literally leading the way in uh, helping Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation. Those of you know, they were instrumental in uh, dealing with very uh, in a very impactful way dealing with HIV in India. HIV uh, and AIDS were becoming a very big problem in India. And uh, this foundation came in and did a great job. And Julie, both Julie and Jaipal worked there for years. And as friends, we've been friends for more than uh, 15 years. And as friends, we saw them work in this field. And really, uh, w- they left that, that flying high-flying carrier to go to a small town and start this ministry called buds of christ so we really saw that uh, that heart i mean they could be uh, in, in in one of these organizations leading a comfortable uh, you know paid work but but here they they really risked everything and they followed the call of god and went and helped these children but that's not why i support them i'll tell you why all these are good reasons but the reason we support this ministry is because i believe what Julian Jay Paul are doing is actually a reflection or an image of something that God did when He when He thought about the idea of salvation. I'll tell you why. When when it's most of the work that they do here, you would already know is, is with children affected with HIV. Right? These are kids. And and what did they do to get the virus? nothing right so in a way if you look at what what the way i see it you know last night i had a call with julie and i said julie this is what i'm going to say i hope it's okay with you because i i don't want to say something that they are not okay with so i actually told them and they said this is our vision but really even you know we didn't think of it in that theological angle but here is what i believe listen hear me out i believe as as children of god we all fell into sin right but why did that happen? Did we do anything as, as kids, like when we were born? The Bible says we were born as sinners, right? We were born into sin. But did we do anything? We didn't. Who did that? Adam did it in the beginning, right? And we were born into sin because of what man did in those days. So, And then Jesus comes and redeems us through the blood and puts us back in his place. So in a way, if you look at it, I know it's not the exact comparison, but in a way, if you look at what Jay Paul and Julie are doing in Butts of Christ, they are taking these kids who are having the virus in their body for no reason. They didn't do anything, right? It's the it's it's somebody else's problem and their fault, and these kids are affected. And Jay Paul and Julie literally, they take these kids in their arm, they hug them, they give them the comfort, they give them education, they give them food, and and just just redeem them from there, and. And I tell you, the first time I went there, I haven't gone to their recent facility, but I used, me and uh, my wife Tina, who you saw, we both used to go to their, uh, the the what they called as the field, the the field, which is basically where the kids are and the whole family is, right? We used to go there to do some training along with them. And I tell you, the first time I went, I was scared. Because you have to sit, talk, hug, you know, hold these people who have, who are infected with hiv and aids right you have to be with them you have to you have to like just think about that right and i was scared and then jaypal had to educate me on how this happens you don't have to be afraid you don't have to be scared and they and then we got along and then as we went along we knew what was going on and we we worked with them but just think about those children just imagine what they are going through right so they, they they don't have friends their friends Kind of move away from them, their family moves away from them, and they are going to die. That's what everybody says. They look at this kid and say, You're going to die in 10 years, you're going to die soon. When, you don't know. And Jay Paul and Julie go and embrace these kids. And they say, We are coming from butts of Christ. And they show their love to them using, you know, they give them medicines, they give them teaching. And what, uh, last night, what Julie shared with me is, she said, these kids are actually now growing up. You know, they are writing their exams, high high school, they are just growing up. And they are doing well because of the medication and everything, they are coming up. And their longevity is increasing day by day. They are living for longer. And as they grow up, what do they see? They see the love of Jesus in these two people. And now these kids have started going out and sharing the gospel with others. Not only they got saved, but they go and share the gospel with others. So Julie is saying, rather than we share, we see these kids. How powerful is that? Right? You You are infected with HIV and then you go and say, not only I got saved now, I got saved because of the love of Jesus, which I saw in what Butts of Christ is doing. So that is the reason we support this ministry. So I, I first, I want to thank you for uh, supporting this ministry. Thank you for uh, how the church has uh, chosen to stand by uh, with this ministry and uh, hold them and support them. So I bring thanks on behalf of Julie and J. Paul. And um, I just pray that, um, prayerfully, that you will continue to do this this incredible work that touches the uh, lives of so many little children for uh, who for no fault of theirs are uh, carrying this virus and, uh, and 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 this is this is going to create a great impact in India for sure so just wanted to share that before we go to the word of God thank you once again okay so um, uh, let's just pray and uh, and uh, let me go into my story and also to the word of God Heavenly Father we come to you in Jesus name we thank you Lord we thank you for uh, we thank you for being with us. Thank you for the blood of Jesus, thank you for the cross, thank you for redemption. And even as we heard, we were we are, we are born into sin and your blood has redeemed us. We thank you for that, we thank you for uh, you love us and your word sustains us, Father. So this morning as we look at your word, we ask you to come and minister to us, speak to us and may your word lift us up. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be our teacher. Open the eyes of our understanding so that we will see things we've never seen before and understand things we've never understood before. May our lives and this church never be the same again. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen. So I wanted to start with, uh, uh, before we go into the prayer, I want to start with a little um, story of how uh, I became a Christian. I come from a non-Christian family. I was the first Christian in my house. So we, as a, as a family, we were very God-fearing, very God-fearing, and I grew up in a, my mother was a doctor, and I uh, grew up in a uh, house where prayer was very, very important, not a Christian home, but prayer was important, God was important. For some reason, my mom, when I was very little, she taught me, Nachi, if you want to make it in life, if you want to be successful, you need to know this person called God. She gave me that instruction. I don't know how she thought of it, but like right when I was little. So I knew that if, and I was very success driven, right? I saw my dad who was an entrepreneur and I saw saw people around me and I was driven. I was, I wanted to make it big in life. And then she said, oh, you want to be big in life? Then you got to know this person called God. So that kind of stuck with me because she said there's a lot of problems in this world and it's one person can help you, it's God. So I said, okay, fine. Now who's this God? I started searching for this person and so, the reason I'm saying this is prayer was a big part of my life right from my childhood. But, for me, prayer was something else. As I read through the, uh, the scriptures in my other faith and as I was studying to actually become a priest, I was very interested in God, like, like I said, and, and uh, to, to know God, we need to you know, read all the scriptures. So I started reading the scriptures and I wanted to become a priest and I was actually on my way to become a priest. And... But in my heart, I had this big question because the faith which uh, the books that I was reading, everything was, you know, uh, teaching me and, and most of it was very convincing. So in my head, I had me on this side, if you can imagine a circle, right? I had one side, I had me on the circle and the other side, I had God. So I was trying to understand God and I was growing along with that and my circle was just going to be complete very soon. And I was learning a lot of things, about 10, 12 years of uh, studying. And I was getting there. And at one point, it came to the culmination of all the teaching, the ancient, you know, mythical teaching that I was studying, you know, from different books, which is supposed to be thousands and thousands of years old. All the Eastern ancient civilization books that I was studying. It all came to a point when, when they said, the secret of, you know, spiritual life, Right? The spirituality is this. You, and when you look at everything, it comes to this secret, the mantra. They call it the mantra, secret mantra, is this. You and God are one. Basically, they're saying you are God. right? Now, my circle, which was coming all along very well, right, understanding God, who this person is and all that and who I am, and everything was coming well, kind of got stuck at a point when they said you and God are one. Now, if I am going to be God, I know the world is in trouble. (laughs) Because because I know who I am, right? I know all the stuff that's going on within me. I know all all the jealousy and greed and envy and all the horrible thoughts I have and nasty thoughts that I have. I know them. I can't be God. But then what? Guess what? All the big guys, the smart, you know, saints and monks and intelligent, spiritual gurus were saying, you are, you are God. I said, come on. Oh, I'm not convinced. I'm an engineer, right? I studied engineering. For me, I need to be convinced. For me, it's either ones or zeros. There's no 0.5 in digital, if you know. It's just ones or zeros. Your whole computer, all your smartphones works on ones and zeros. So it's either this or that. So I said, oh, I cannot be God. Now I need to figure this out. So I started again looking and seeking. And at and, and one point, what happened? God happened. Jesus, in all my humility, I say this, God found me. He came after me. And this is how it happened. I went to my engineering college and I was there and I, uh, they didn't have a place for me in the hostel, so uh, in, the, in, the, in the college. So they said, uh, it's gonna take a month or so for us to free up a room in the college. So till then find an accommodation. So this is a big city. I was I a was small town guy. So go to this big city to study and we didn't know anybody. So my, my mom and dad started searching for a relative or somebody with whom I can just, you know, uh, sleep on the couch. So they were looking for someone and they found this guy, a long distant relative, right? And who is, what does he do? He's a pastor of a church. <laughs> See, I mean, I love the way God makes things happen, right? I, I just think of it, I'm in tears. And this person, he's the only Christian in our entire large family. And he happens to be there. And he's like, come on, we have a small house, but we'll house you. And he, he just took me in his arms. And uh, it was a very small house and it's, it's, they, they didn't have much. But this man, I saw him display the love of Jesus to me. I saw him, how he took care of me, how he used to drive me to the college, and which was about 50 miles away from his house. right? And he used to take his little scooter, which is like in India, like old scooter, right? He used to put me on that and drive me up and down. Like, why would you do that, right? The love of Jesus, these, but they never actually shared the gospel with me directly. This is the interesting part. They constantly witnessed to me without using words. They just, I just kept seeing the love of God, seeing the love of God. But anyway, long story short, I started going to church because I saw this family and I started listening and listening and listening. But for many years, I didn't really give my life to Jesus for almost, I think, two and a half years. I, uh, yes, almost two and a half years I went to church without giving my life to God because I, I was studying. I wanted, I wanted to make sure, like I told you, I, either it's zero or one. I, I wanted to be convinced. And one, one fine day. So I, w- I used to go to church and I used to go to uh, my other faith temples and other, other places. I used to do both. So I was like, you know, still figuring this out. One day I go to, uh, I go to church and the pastor, this was another church, and the pastor is the, talking about what? He's talking about the circle of life. And this is a picture I've had in my mind for years, right? As a young man, this, this, this circle not closing. Because this side it's God. This side it's me. And I'm unholy. God is holy. And they are saying, I am God. And that's not working for me. Right? And I'm having this picture. And this preacher talks about the circle of life. And he says, you know, this unholy man. Who has all these troubles and problems and issues in his life. How can he connect with the holy God? And that was the eternal plan of God the Father. And he just took a picture of the cross right and he said just imagine take the cross and there's this circle and there's a gap and you just take this cross and put it in between what happens the horizontal line of the cross basically completes the circle i mean in my head that was i'm a visual learner right i do mind maps and doodles and that's how i learn and for me that that whole circle just just boom you know just made sense to me the whole the whole thing there was the cross and jesus died he took the sin because i grew up in india in a in a faith where we were so used to sacrifices right worldwide religions are used to sacrifice if you do something wrong sacrifice cut the goat cut the hen or you know whatever bird and that's that's very common in our in our culture so i knew new sacrifice so the moment i heard of that that explanation it just made sense eternal one-time sacrifice where the cross kind of links man and god now i know how i am made in the image of god i'm still not god but i'm made in the image of god and now i understand how i'm connected to god how i can be one with god and i can accomplish great and mighty things so that is the day i became a christian and i went back home i told my dad i'm a christian (laughs) he's like what initially they thought you know i was in love with a christian girl or something like that and they said oh, it'll pass away you know it's just a kid then it'll go away that's what they thought but guess what it was much more than that so i said no this is this is it i'm convinced it's it's now i'm from 0 to 1 that's what it is so um well that created a lot of problems in my house because my dad was my spiritual guru so every day i used, i have to like worship him and things like that um because he he, he used to teach me all the uh, you know spiritual stuff so it was difficult, so things like that happened, uh, but, but eventually everything worked out, so that is, that is how I became a Christian. But I want to go back to the sentence that I started with, which is connected to our topic, which is, I grew up in a God-fearing family. Did you catch that word, right? God-fearing. So basically, our prayers were based on fear. Why did we pray? We prayed because we were afraid that if we didn't pray, something will happen. Or we prayed because we wanted something. We prayed because we were petitioning, you know, saying, oh, this is is something there, can you please do something about it, kind of a thing. So I was, that's the kind of prayer I was used to. So there is this God who is on a pedestal right there, and you as a, this sinful man are trying to reach up to him and kind of put your requests there and you're hoping that he'll take a look and do something about it. That, that's all the prayer I was used to for my entire life. So it was more about me as a man doing something for God and asking for these few things. That's just how I was praying. But when I became a Christian, which is what I wanted to share with you today, I realized Christian prayer is so unique it is like no other prayer in the world. No other prayer in the world. There are three reasons why, which is what I'm going to share with you today, the A, B, and C of prayer, right? There are three big reasons why, there are many reasons, but three big reasons why a Christian prayer is so unique. But before I go, I just, all, I actually want to talk about the reason why prayer is important. We all know prayer is important, right? We all know. I, I'm, I'm sure there's nobody in this room who says it's not important. It is important. But I want to give you, uh, I, I want to talk about w- one reason. And the reason is actually what I call as the strategic reason. There is a stra- strategic reason that prayer is important in a Christian life. I'll tell you what it is. See, when God created the world, the Bible says, God made man in his own image and likeness. Right? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, he took man and he uh, he gave him dominion. Uh, God made man in his own image and likeness and he gave him dominion. Which means basically what it's saying is God created this world and put man in charge of this world. Right? So it's like, imagine you having a company, you create this company and you put somebody in charge of that company. Right? And then you leave it to them. You basically don't meddle with it. After you give them a thing, you work with them you make them, uh, you know, help them to do things, but you give them charge. This is how the world was formed. So it's basically, this world is a partnership between you and God. Listen, in this world, everything that's going on is about this partnership. You are in partnership with God. Partnership for what? Partnership for whatever God has put you in. right? We all work in this sphere, right? this area. If you read Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, it says, God took man, put him in the garden of Eden to work, right? So all of us are doing some kind of work, right? Whether it is at home or in the office or in college or in school or wherever you are, God has put you in a garden. Everybody say garden, right? A garden, a place, right? God has put you in a place. And and that garden is probably your industry. Maybe you're a doctor, maybe you're an engineer, you're a lawyer, you're a preacher. So you're a student, whatever it is, God has put you in that sphere of life. And this partnership between you and God is about transforming that sphere of life. So if you're a doctor, God wants to partner with you to transform your medical profession. God wants to partner with you to transform your clinic. If you're a software engineer, God wants to partner with you to transform your industry. If you're a student, God wants to partner with you to transform your college, your, your, your class, your friends. See, God is always in the business of partnering with man to transform a space, period. That's what the Bible is all about. That's what this creation is all about. That's what our church and everything we do is all about. God partnering with man to transform that space. Right? And as each of us, in each of our spheres, transform our little gardens, guess what happens? The entire world starts getting transformed. So this is the large picture. This is the big picture of what God is doing. Now I come to prayer. Now listen carefully. Like I said, prayer, there is a strategic reason why prayer is important. When this partnership happens between this partner and that partner, what is the most important thing between these two people? It's communication. Right? What what if you are unable or what if you do not properly communicate with this partner? Do you think that venture is going to succeed? Just imagine this, right? I'll give you a practical example. Let's just say Tony here, my friend, he's there. I like to always pick on him. <laughs> so I'm going to use him as an example. Let's say he, starts, uh, he decides to start a venture, right? And there is this big billionaire in uh, Middle East or somewhere like that where he decides to partner with him, right? Let's say there's this partnership that's going to happen and they're starting this big business venture. Now, what if the guy says, okay, well, I have all the money in the world. I have all the influence. I can talk to presidents. I can do all this. So let's get this business going, right? He says that and then they start this venture and then he goes back to the Middle East and Tony's here. And then Tony has all these plans, right? He wants to do this business like that. He wants to accomplish this and then he's, he's getting everything ready but he, and he tries to call this man and the man is always busy. He can't reach him. What happens at that time? Do you think any of his plans going to succeed? Can he accomplish like when he, wants, when he wants cash, when he wants influence, when he says, hey, why don't you put, the, put a word into your influential president and get me this order? But the guy never, if, he, if he's not able to communicate with his partner, that venture is not going anywhere. Right? Right? So for any venture to succeed communication between partners is the key so the same thing is with God God is all powerful all able in fact better than this partner and whoever the billionaire is you know he has all the he's the creator of the heaven and earth he's the creator of everything and he is all powerful but if you and I do not establish this constant ongoing strategic communication between the two we will not be able to accomplish great things listen church when i was preparing this there's just this move in my heart for this church god wants to accomplish great things in this church you know as i was preparing this i had this very strong feeling in my heart that god wants to great things through you listen god wants to do great things not normal things Great things, incredible things, impossible things through you. And he wants to partner with you. But that can only happen if the communication channel is clear, is regular, is constant, and it's always happening. See, there is a reason the Bible says men should always pray. Have you read that scripture? You know, when I read that for the first time in First Thessalonians, I thought, men should always pray? What do you mean always pray? Can we always pray? Like, don't I, don't I have to go to go work or do something? Is it even practical? How can I always pray? I'll tell you how you can always pray. Because this communication is not happening by email. It's not happening based on your Wi-Fi connection. It's happening all the time because your partner is sitting right inside of you. You don't have to make a call. You don't have to write a letter. You don't have to... He's right there. And can you always pray? Of course you can always pray because whatever you're doing, he's he's right now listening to what I'm saying. He's right now talking to me. He's right now talking to you through this message. There is a constant communication. But the thing is, we need to understand that. We need to understand this this dynamics of this communication between this great partner who is all-powerful, omnipotent, Your partner is all-powerful. Everybody say, my partner is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He he can do everything. The question is, what can you do with it? You know, like I said, you've got a billionaire partner who is willing to invest billions, any billions and trillions. And he comes and says, how much do you want? I mean, if you ask me, I I would know, I'll be like, okay, hold on, let me think about it, right? This guy can give you how much ever money you want. What would you tell him? So here is my point. My point is this, brothers and sisters. listen carefully. Your life, what you accomplish with your life is only limited by how much you are willing to believe, and you are willing to expand and I believe in this church we've got people, oh boy, this morning this the the message that we heard at the men 's group by Stephen. I mean, incredible, right. You've got people in this church who can accomplish great things. Young people, seniors, and you know, working professionals who can accomplish impossible. The question, and you've got a partner who can help you do that. The question is, how much of it can you use? What can you ask for? If God appears to you in front of you and says, Let's do this, what are you going to ask him? Right? Sometimes what we ask is, is is probably lesser than what God wants us to ask. Of course, the Bible says each of us are given a measure of faith, right? So each of us have a calling. Each of us have a, I'm not saying everybody should do everything, right? You have a calling, you have a sphere, you have a place in which you work. And depending on your call and your, uh, your purpose in life, you ask what you have to. But my point is this. My point is your partner is all powerful. And what to ask him? I'm going to come to that. I'm going to come to that. This is just, uh, I wanted to introduce you to the concept of the importance of prayer from a strategic operational perspective in church. Within the body of Christ, there is a strategic reason the prayer is kept. Now, prayer is not just a holy thing. You know, we all grew up with the thought saying, oh, you need to pray because that's the right thing to do. That's the holy thing to do. That's all we knew. But it's much more than that. Prayer is how you accomplish things in life. Through this partner, this establishing of communication with your great partner. Now I go to the ABCs of prayer. Because we need to understand this communication system. We need to understand how these dynamics work. Because once we understand, then it's, better, it, it's easier for us to make this happen. Now I go to the scripture that we read earlier. It says, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. I'm I'm starting from 14, even though we read only 16, I'm starting from 14 for a specific reason. It says, "Seeing I'm reading from the New King James Version, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed through the heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as yet we are. Yet we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So, this scripture basically what it says is this it says there is a high priest, right? Jesus Christ died, rose again, resurrected, seated on the right hand of the Father. He's the high priest interceding on behalf of us. Therefore, Whatever we want, he can help us to get. That's basically what it's saying. Now, when you understand, now go back to our our strategic plan, right? There is this big partner there and you are here. You are partner number one or he's partner number one and you are partner number two, right? There are these two partners. Now, what happened is because of sin, the communication is cut. So Jesus comes, takes away the sin, resurrected. He's seated in between and he becomes the link between these two partners, Right So, there is an easy flow of communication because the role of a high priest, why does this verse talk about a high priest because the role of the high priest in the Old Testament was what? people were outside the temple the high priest was inside the temple, and there was God, right, so he was a mediator, so people couldn 't go directly; they go through the high priest. The same thing is happening with Jesus. so the first thing we need to understand is Jesus is not only he's part of the Godhead but he also has a role of a high priest, so when you pray. Have that understanding. Now I go to the first of my ABCA, which is access. Everybody say access. Access. See, you and me have access to this partner. It's important for you and me to understand this concept of access. Because when we don't understand access, our prayer becomes a weak prayer. It becomes a ceremony. It It becomes a ritual. Why, why do we pray in a certain way? Because that's how we've been praying for years. That's what everybody, somebody taught us. No, it's not because of that. Because there's a reason our forefathers structured the prayer like that. How do we start a prayer? Heavenly Father, come to you in Jesus' name. Most of us start the prayer like that, right? Something, something like that. But we basically say, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Why do we start our prayer like that? Because that gives us access. You know, this holy God, like I told you, my circle did not complete. And Jesus is the one who gives us access as the high priest. So there is a, that connection cannot happen without the understanding of what Jesus did on the cross. So when you pray in a practical way going forward, first thing you need to understand is I have access. Be practi- I'm a very practical guy, right? Everything I read in the scriptures, I like to apply and think that it's, it's something that I can work with. So from today onwards, when you pray, when you close your eyes and say, "Heavenly Father, come to you in Jesus' name," imagine that you are already in that presence through the blood of Jesus. You are standing in front of the most powerful man in the world. Right? Who can do pretty much everything. Now, I mean, imagine you go and stand in front of the prime minister like in our country or in president here, and you're there and he says, "Well, what do you want?" That is pretty much the situation every time we say, Heavenly Father, come to you in Jesus' name. We are right there. The access, the access card, or what you call it, the password. right? Access code to enter that room is already given to you. That is, I come to you in the name of Jesus. So A is for access. Everybody say, I have access. (laughs) You have access and I have access to the most powerful partner in the world to help us accomplish great things. I, I, before I go to the next one, which is B, I want to again remind you, the reason we are talking about this is, is, is this, I believe that God has a big plan for this church, listen carefully, he has a big plan for each of you sitting here, and you are only limited by your understanding of how you can make this partnership work, right? Right? So this prayer is not just a spiritual holy thing that you just do because of religious reasons. It is a strategic way to accomplish great things. Great people in this world, in this nation, and all around the world have accomplished things because of this understanding. When they go in front of God, I heard a man of God who has led millions, literally millions of people to, to Christ. And he has done amazing things around the world. And he said, I did everything because Every time I go in front of God, I know that I'm standing in the front of the most powerful person in this world. And I ask him for impossible things. He's like, I dare to ask him for impossible things. I am bold to ask him for impossible things. Which brings us to the B, A, B, C of prayer. B, boldness. Everybody say boldness. In the scripture, that's what it says, right? The 16th verse, it says, Let us therefore come boldly. To the throne of grace. Now tell me this. Do you need boldness to ask for simple things. Or for impossible things. You don't need boldness to come and say. You know can you get me a piece of pizza. Or something like that right. You don't need boldness to do that. When you go even in front of your father. Or your parent. You need boldness to ask them for what. Something that's, that's really out of the way. Right. That's really beyond what you think is normally given to you. So here is my thing. Why does God say come therefore boldly? Boldly. What is boldly? It's not only like understanding that you are out of sin and go boldly without having any guilt in your heart. But I also tell you there is another angle to that word bold. It's not just your righteousness. It's also your righteousness which is a very important thing because righteousness gives you boldness. But it's also the size of your prayer. Listen. The magnitude of your prayer. You know, I grew up in a small town. I couldn't speak proper English when I was in my 12th grade when I went to college. But when God came into my heart, He asked me, He pushed me, and He told me to ask for bigger things. Bolder things. You know, things I don't even... I, I don't even know that I should ask. You know, I want to take you the, to this scripture to help you understand boldness. This is something that I never looked at. Psalm thirty-seven four, Right? It says, it's a very popular scripture, right? Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So for many years, I, uh, the way I understood the scripture is I said, okay, delight in God, he will give you the desires of your heart. So you have a desire in your heart and God will give it to you. That's how I understood it. But recently I heard a sermon and I started going deeper and I realized this verse does not have a comma after the word, he shall give you Kama, the desires of your heart. That's, all I, that's what we, we read it as, right? He shall give you, Kama, the desires of your heart. But there's no Kama there. You know what that means? That means, He shall give you the desires of your heart. He is not, not only fulfilling the desires of your heart, He actually gives you the desires themselves. Listen, now that changes the entire way you look at the scripture. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. What to desire for? Because coming from a small town, a little family, a minority community, I didn't really have big plans for my life. If you ask me, what do you want? I don't know. Maybe I just want a house and a car, you know, and and a little bit of bank balance and some investment and I would have been happy. But God said, no, 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 no. I will give you a bigger desire in your heart. And and then next step, I'll help you fulfill it. See, that's the beauty of, of our God. He not only fulfills what we want, but he actually tells us what to want for. So here is my question to you, my friend. What do you want? Maybe you don't know what you want. Some of you young people, I tell you here, maybe you don't know what you want. Maybe you don't even know what to ask God for. And I'll tell you, ask him to give you the desires of your heart. Let that be your prayer. Go to him and say, Lord, I don't know what I want. Tell me what I want. That's what God told me. Nachi, I'll tell you what you want. You will go all around the world and preach the gospel. Dream big dreams. Today I have big dreams. If I tell you some of my dreams, you will be like, get out of here. <laughs> I have big dreams. Oh yeah, I have big dreams, my friend. I have big dreams. I have dreams that, that, that you cannot imagine. I, ex- I always expect the impossible I expect the miraculous to happen. Every single minute, I expect divine connections, divine favor, divine blessing. Wherever I go, I expect dead to be risen. You know, I expect people to be healed. You know, the other day, Bruce and I, we were in the, in the restaurant. We were just having breakfast. And then somebody just walked up to us and spoke to us. We expect those kind of interactions to happen. Lives to be changed constantly. And what do you want? I'll tell you what you want. You, what you want, God knows what you want. And what you right now want, the only thing you want is to understand the prayer and really go in front of him, understanding access and understanding boldness and say, Lord, give me big dreams. Give me dreams that are beyond me. Give me dreams that, I, that, that are just, just outside my purview and things that I cannot even imagine. Ask that. I challenge you, you will be surprised at what God can put in your heart. He can give you dreams that you cannot even imagine. And and why does God want us to ask for big things? I'll tell you why. John chapter 15 verse 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it will be done to you. And there comes the reason after this. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and you will be my disciples i'll tell you why god wants you to ask for big things my friend i'll tell you why he wants you to be bold in your prayer understand the access come boldly and ask for bold things because when you ask for bold things god is glorified we are not going to build god's kingdom by doing little things everybody can build a house everybody can buy a car everybody can settle down you know, recently I had this conversation about settling down. Somebody said, oh, Nachi, you need to settle down. I'm, you know, I said, okay, what do you have to do for settling down? <laughs> Actually nothing, right? Literally, those of you, like, imagine common sense. What, what, when does something settle down? When nothing happens. You take a, take a you know, big uh, you know, handful of mud, throw it in the water and it settles down. What does it do? Nothing. If you do nothing, you will settle down in life. Is that what you want? And if you look at the Bible, the Bible is anything talking about anything but settlement. Abraham was asked to move. Israel was asked to move. Jesus was asked to move as a child. It's movement. Everybody say movement. Ask for movement, friends. Ask for movement. Don't settle down. Don't settle down. See, God will give you a house. He will probably give you a house in every country in the world. That's not, that's not a big thing. He can give you a house. He can give you a car. He can give you the little bank balance that you're after. That's nothing for him. You are, you know, sometimes I think God looks at him and says, that's it. Is that all you want? Can't you think of like bigger things? Then you say, okay, tell me, Lord, give me a clue. What are the bigger things? He'll start giving you the desires of your heart. Imagine big things for this church. Imagine big things for your city. Imagine big things for your country. Imagine big things for your own life. Ask God for something that's, that's beyond. You know, I, I recently worked with this ministry where the founder of the ministry said something that just, he, he said this 50 years ago. He said, dream, ask, uh, attempt something so big that if God not be in it, it is doomed to fail. Dr. John Edmund Haggai. He said, attempt something for God that it is so big that if God not be in it, it is doomed to fail. I like that. I, I like to have that kind of a vision. So that is what the B of prayer, which is boldness. Coming to the last part, which is confidence. C is for confidence. You know, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 16 says, Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, the other thing about Christian life is, sometimes you ask and you're like, you're not sure. Like I told you, I came from that kind of a background, but the Christian prayer is not that kind of a prayer. A Christian prayer is a prayer where you walk out of the room, knowing fully well that God has heard you. Why? Because who, told, who gave you the desires of your heart? He gave you the desires of your heart. So he cannot give you the desires and then say, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. That will be like not logical. See, I I love Christian life. I love it. It's, It's the smartest way to live. He tells you what you want and then he tells you to ask for it and then he gives it to you. How cool is that? And he gives you all the resources to make it happen. Everything is so perfect. It's so easy. It's the smartest way of life right? So confidence, everybody say confidence, Confidence. right? You got to have confidence that God hears you. Look at the confidence that Jesus has. I love it. John chapter 11, verse 41 and 42. That's my, that's my favorite scripture. That's how I got my name Lazarus, right? I, I didn't have my name Lazarus a few years ago. Only after I became a Christian, I took the name Lazarus because of John chapter 11, God raising Lazarus from, from the dead, right? In that, in that scripture, if you go to 41, 42, verse 41 42 in chapter 11 it says then jesus looked up this is just before everything happens right jesus looked up he's going to raise a man from dead after three days and then jesus looked up and said father i thank you that you have heard me i knew that you always hear me isn't that awesome Don't you wish that you can say that? I know that you always hear me. God always hears you. Everybody say, God always hears me. He always hears you. But I said this, Jesus says, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing around here. (laughs) That they may believe that you sent me. Look at the confidence of Jesus. Jesus. Now, this is the kind of confidence that every Christian should have. That whatever I ask, my God listens to me and he hears me. Why? Because in the first place, I only ask what he has put in my heart. And going back to the A, the first place, I was able to get all the desires in my heart from him because I have the access. I have the... So that is how the sequence is. You've got the access. Therefore, you can go into his room into his throne, and then have this conversation with him, ask him what you need to desire, then he gives you these big bold dreams, then you come to be, which is, now you got the boldness to ask for big stuff, and he gives it to you, and then when you walk out of the room, you say, I have the confidence he's heard me, see that's how Jesus, you know had the confidence, many people think, oh that's Jesus brother, you know he had the confidence, God heard him, I don't have the confidence, well you can have, do you understand now, There's a logic on why you can be confident God hears you all the time. Because you have the access. He lives in you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. You're always in the presence of God. So you can understand his will. If you don't understand, ask him. See, for example, recently my wife... I'm not talking about like, you know, high in the heaven kind of a stuff. I'm talking about practical things. We go through that every day, right? All of us. So recently my wife and I heard something from God and it was not very clear, right, we, 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 we thought we heard it, but we were not clear, so, so we had this whole one week of, oh, did God say this, did he not say this, did he say this, did he not say this, oh, give us a sign, all that kind of stuff, and then one day, <laughs> it was like a hit on the head, God said, if you're not clear, what would you do, like if I'm asking Keith or anyone here, and they did, I didn't hear what, what do I tell them, I'm like, excuse me, right, can you, can you repeat that again, Simple as that. So God's like, why don't you ask me again for clarity? <laughs> Simple, right? So we're like, ah, duh. You know, we went to him and we said, okay, Lord, that particular problem, we didn't hear properly. We ask, we ask you to give us confirmation. And we prayed that prayer because we have ABC. What are the ABC? Access, boldness, confidence. So we went inside with access, boldness, and confidence, and we asked him. And then we actually waited for him to say it. Now, this is the thing with prayer. Many times we are all praying like, ta 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 What if you have a conversation with me and you're not stopping? How am I supposed to reply? So, I think sometimes God feels like that. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We want this... Thank you, bye. You know, amen. God's like, okay, do you want me to answer or What? So sometimes when you're asking God for something specific, I highly recommend you spend a few quiet moments before you finish that prayer. We did that. So we ask and we're like, okay, Lord, give us clarity and we're like quiet. And then you hear God because he speaks in that quiet, still voice. Sometimes you don't hear right then. That's fine. Still be confident, move on with your things and believe that God will speak to you because he does. See, he is a, is a living God. We serve a living God. And he gave us clarity regarding that very clearly. He gave, me, he gave me separate confirmation, my wife separate confirmation, and we knew exactly what it is. And as we started walking through it, we knew that things started falling in place, and we knew that that was God. And so have the confidence. So the three things, again, access, boldness, and confidence so when you pray these are the ABCs of prayer and this is what makes the Christian prayer unique so I want to close with asking you how bold can your prayers get because my friends I like I've been saying again and again I believe this church there is time This, this is the time for this church to turn around and it is going to start turning around the moment you start asking for big things So I want to challenge everybody sitting in this room, how big can your prayers get? You've got the access, you've got the boldness, you've got the confidence. Now the question is, how bold can your prayers get? Because the bigger that you can dream, the bigger that you can desire for bigger things for the gospel, the bigger things for giving. I heard a man who said, it's my vision, you know, very recently, just a week ago. You know, I met this man who, who is one of the biggest givers I have known personally. Hundreds and thousands of dollars he gives every year, right? I met him and I talked to him and I said, what's your goal? And he said, I want to do a million dollars. He's like, he's setting his goal. He's asking for big things. What's your goal? How much do you want to give? And it's not just the money I'm talking about. What kind of business that you want to run? What kind of work that you want to have? What kind of family that you want to have? Maybe what kind of, what kind of ministry that you want to have? What kind of accomplishment? Do you Because like I said, when you do that, your God is glorified. When you, when you, I'm not trying to you know, talk about material things here and asking you to you know, get, go behind stuff. No, that's what, I, what I'm saying. All I'm saying is, even from a spiritual angle, what is the big dream that you can imagine? What is the big dream that you can dream? You know, God, God gave Joseph the big dream. You know, his, his, his brothers can't, couldn't even understand what he was saying. It was crazy. God gives you crazy dreams. When you have crazy dreams, when God speaks to you in a crazy way, then rejoice because it's probably, most probably God. Because that's what he does. He gives you like incredible, huge, amazing vision. So I want to ask you, What is your vision? And I want to challenge you and I want to give you a homework. Go home today. Write down three big, big requests, prayer requests you have for God. Not normal ones. I want you to dream and be as bold as you can. Three, right? Maybe you can split it into a family prayer, prayer for your family, a big one. For your work, a big one. For the church, a big one. Or giving big ones. Something like that. I leave it to you. But I want to challenge you. Write it down. Because sometimes you hear a message like this. You're inspired. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And then you go back. You don't take action. That's not going to help. So go home and write it down. You know, Write down three big bold prayers that you're going to pray. Because I'll tell you what. You have the access. You have the boldness. And you have the confidence. And God will hear you. And he will actually give it to you. Have, have, have the But be ready, right? You ask for big ones. Be ready to handle them. Yes. And ask God for grace to handle them. And ask the impossible. Because tomorrow can be much, much better than where you are today. Right? So I wanted to close with that. And I want to pray for you uh, before we close. I want to pray and ask God to open our eyes of our understanding. To help each one of us in this room to understand the ABC of prayer. Access boldness and confidence. Let's look to God. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We understand the access, Lord. Lord, the moment we said we come to you in Jesus' name, we know we are in your presence. As we close our eyes, whether it's a small prayer, tiny prayer, micro prayer, we know we are in your presence, Lord. So we thank you for the access. We thank you for boldness and we thank you for the confidence that you always hear us. Like Jesus, we come before you as a church and we say we, you always hear us. So right now I pray for my brothers and sisters sitting here, Father, in the name of Jesus, I, open their, I ask you that you will open their eyes of their understanding to see what kind of heart and prayer or heart they should have for prayer, Lord. Father, I ask you to give them bold prayers, boldness in the name of jesus Let everybody sitting in this room have bold requests requests that are beyond them beyond their imagination so that this church will be transformed forever lord let us let this church accomplish things that that they have never imagined before and have the ability to do that because we serve an impossible god I ask you to go with them as they write down their prayer requests you will be with them and as you as you are with them you will give them access more and more access to you understanding of the access and confidence that they have already received the prayers father we thank you for all that you're doing in this church we love you and we thank you for teaching us today so that our prayers will never be the same again we give you all the glory honor and praise in Jesus matchless name we pray amen.